Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Halo Infinite's delay, Microsoft's xCloud beta, and Fortnite versus Apple. But first, let's go quickly into some numbers. The MPD group announced that overall consumer spending on games in the U.S., for quarter two, reached $11.6 billion, up 30% year over year, and up 7% from quarter one, where $10.9 billion in games spending marked a record as well. Excuse me, hardware sales were up 57% year over year to $848 million with gains across all three current generation consoles. And uh, accessory spending was up 50%. To 584 million for the quarter so you know <clears throat> i think i said this multiple times on on this podcast but uh amidst everything that's still happening around the world our industry is probably the only entertainment industry that has continued to grow throughout the pandemic um you know our industry really hasn't had we haven't run into the same issues that we're seeing happening happening with Hollywood and movie theaters, for example. Like I'm hearing that I think it's sometime this week that AMC is set to reopen theaters. I don't think New York is allowing theaters to reopen. I think New York and LA actually are the are the two biggest markets that are saying uh no <laughs> to theaters reopening. That's too soon. Um and a lot of people have the kind of the same consensus, which is uh, why the hell would I want to go back to a theater? First of all, there's not even a movie to even bring people back. I have no idea why they're even trying to reopen. Um, but that's just an example of an entertainment industry that's really going through a, a bit of a tough time and 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 having a a, a tough path towards transitioning to. Um, uh kind of this new normal that we're in right now and that's just something that video games kind of have been preparing for throughout the entire time that we've had our industry up and running we've been going slowly and slowly more more digital versus physical for example um and 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 i think uh our industry has been able to you know prove a lot of things right this year in terms of people that for whatever reason in the world weren't taking video games seriously. The most interesting facet from what the MPD group released last week was that by the end of Q2, one out of every three U.S. owners of either a PS4 or Xbox One owned both systems, and at least 82% of U.S. current generation console owners also played mobile during the quarter, which is huge. So 82% of current generation uh, owners of PS4, Xbox One, I'm guessing they also mean Switch, in the United States also played mobile games during that quarter. And it's something I've you know been talking about a lot uh, lately in terms of how important the mobile market is and will uh, continue to be. Um, but I think that other stat is interesting. One out of every three U.S. owners uh, that either has a PS4 or Xbox One that bought one or the other also owns the other. So they own both systems. One out of three, that's that's a pretty big chunk of the uh, of, uh, of the population. And it kind of shows just something that I've been, you know, rallying behind for so long, which is 
the uh, how much I absolutely hate anytime anyone brings up any uh, like even the word console wars annoys me. Like even that, in my opinion, should you know the word war should not be applied to your loyalty to your favorite brand because that's that's essentially what this is, right? If you're a, a diehard PlayStation stand or an Xbox stand, you're basically you know, fighting for a brand, which I think is one of the most weirdest things ever in the history of, of anything I've ever heard. It's really weird to be that attached to a brand. You just should not. And to apply the word war <laughs> to um, <clears throat> two billion dollar companies trying to sell me a product just makes absolutely no sense to me. That's the word war should not be a, a applied to that. That's that's a serious word. War is 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 not a joke, and to apply it to to video games is just one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. And it, and it just shows how many people that own both of the consoles for the express reason of you know, hey, this system has games I want to play that the other one doesn't, or maybe they're interested in Game Pass. Um, and they're like me, which is, you know, I play a lot of games on game pass. Xbox is kind of my go-to. Uh, but when it comes to PlayStation four, I, I, I'm not going to get rid of my PlayStation four because there's been so many, you know, uh, great first party titles that have come out that, you know, Microsoft just, just doesn't have, or Nintendo doesn't have. And that's why I keep my console. But I thought that was really interesting to see how many, uh, owners specifically just here in the United States actually do own both of those systems that kind of downplays even more how stupid this whole anybody that comes up with this console war thing is like you know if, if you're one of those people out there that you know a diehard playstation stand where you know halo infinite gets delayed and you know you first that you go to twitter and you're like aha you know f you xbox fans like microsoft is whack you know or you know, you you want to defend your, your your company for whatever reason, like oh, PlayStation is whack because Xbox has Game Pass, blah blah. blah. Uh, you know, you you really need to learn that lesson of you know you, you can love something and you can be a, a a fan and enjoy something without hating something else. Like I, I don't know if anyone ever told you that, but if if other people are enjoying something uh you can just you know you can just let them enjoy it i don't know if uh i don't know if many uh people out there were aware of that but it's it possible you you can you can let that happen so uh people really need to get out of that mentality i i, I hate it anyone that i personally know that even smells of this uh standum uh, i'm i'm 100% there to 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 correct them and just no, just no. Stop it. Stop what you're doing, because <laughs> uh, you, you shouldn't be doing that, uh, especially at your age. So let's just move right into to uh, to Halo Infinite. You know, one of the biggest news pieces last week was that Microsoft de- decided to delay Halo Infinite to 2021. Three Four Three Industry Studio head Chris Lee said, "Quote: The decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. I want to acknowledge the hard work from our team at Three Four Three Industries." who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team or the overall success of the game to ship it this holiday. Um, 
This is sort of weird because when I saw it, it was uh, kind of straddling the line between surprised and not surprised. You know, not surprised because of what we actually saw and the fact that it just didn't really look like it was ready for prime time. Um, and then surprised because, you know, Halo launching with a new Xbox system has been Microsoft's kind of go-to slug line pitch for this new system for what feels like years now since we've heard about, you know, ever since Halo Infinite was announced as 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 being development, being this, this real project that's, that's going to hit store shelves at some time, it's been kind of married hand in hand with launching with Xbox Series X. So it's definitely surprising in that sense to see Microsoft make that decision. Now, a lot of people brought up the fact that maybe 343 felt pressure because of the public perception, the public reaction to what they showed last month during the Xbox game showcase. I kind of, I'm one to think that I, I, I personally don't think that that was the only reason, you know, that, 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 um, you know, they looked at that and they said, man, we have to delay this game. I don't think so. I think it was something where, you know, for me, the first red flag about this game being released wasn't even just the way that it looked, was the fact that when they showed the game, they announced that ray tracing was being added to the game as a day one update. And to me, that was like a major red flag. Where I was like, how is it possible that you guys have been touting this game for so long? It's been in development for five years or more by now. And one of the biggest features of your system, you know, it won't be ready by the time the game goes gold. Like that, that, that was kind of weird to me. And then looking at the game, you know, I, I understood that a lot of people that looked at it and said, well, this might just be a build that's a few months old, but that's just a poor excuse. That's, that's really an excuse designed to just vehemently defend 343 Halo and Xbox. That's kind of the thing that you come up with. Um, because you have nothing else to say. Like when someone says, hey, you know what? This doesn't look very good. The first thing you say is, well, you know, this this could be early or, 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 or really old. And the the one thing that I, I, I brought up when it came to that demo was if, if that was the case, there would have definitely been, you know, some small text at the bottom that would have said alpha gameplay. Like the, 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 the video that we saw didn't have anything like that. And I think everything that happened with Halo Infinite, all this kind of un this unfortunate bubble that surrounded this game and its development now it's kind of all microsoft's fault unfortunately this all really falls squarely on microsoft and the xbox team's shoulders for um putting all this undue pressure on 343 industries to deliver this game when internally they should have known that this game was not ready you know the fact that they showed what they showed and it was a demo that had so many blatant issues with it. Um, whoever's decision that was to say, you know what, guys, let's show this gameplay. That person made a mortal mistake. It was a huge mistake to do that. You know, it could have been um, very easy for Microsoft to say, you know, we're not ready to show Halo Infinite yet. And maybe just put out some images, maybe... Um, 
just put out an article talking a little bit more about what was happening with Halo, announcing that, you know, they decided that Halo Infinite's multiplayer would be free to play, which I think would have been a huge announcement for like that video last month, for example. There was a lot of things that you could have done to avoid showing that video, and it would have made accepting this delay a lot easier. But now all it's all this delay has done is created more and more questions surrounding the development of this game because it's painfully obvious that something went really really wrong and i think it was i think it was two years ago i think it was that the main project director at 343 for halo infinite had left and i think that was one of the fundamental shifts in development of the game whenever something like that happens it can have a huge huge impact on the development of the game but you know it's unfortunate that this had to happen you know, but I, I I do look at this as um, the people who made the decisions at Xbox were the ones that messed up. You know, they messed up by trying to sell this system as the most powerful system in the world. And then the first gameplay you see of this game, you know, barring the art style, because art style is one thing. Like a lot of people like to defend Halo Infinite by saying, oh, but it's the art style, the choices that they made. But even with the choices that 343 made, you know, early on in development of this game of saying, man, you know, we want to go back to that original look and feel of Halo, which I think is a good direction to take. Now, that doesn't excuse what we what we saw. Everything just looked very, very flat. Um, you know, it was popping. It's just something that... When you're selling a system as, hey, this is the most powerful system in the world, you know, you're talking about all these, you, you, you're touting your CPU and teraflops and SSD and, you know, uh, ray tracing and lighting and all this crazy stuff that you've been trying to sell people. And the official slug line for your, for your console is the world's most powerful console. And then that's what you show as, hey, this is our flagship. This is what we've been working on for, for five years. It just doesn't look good. And then once you then at that point decide to delay the game, all all all, all, it, all it's going to bring up is even more questions. So I'm very curious to find out exactly what has been going on within 343 Industries. It seems that there's a couple of journalists that are currently looking into it to try to find out exactly what went wrong with the development of this game because it's obvious that something went wrong i just wish that microsoft um you know it's not like xbox just started uh publishing games you know they've been publishing games for a while they should have known that this there was a very distinct possibility this game will not be available at launch and i think it would it should have been their responsibility to temper expectations at that point and kind of work on you know, other solutions to try to make this launch a very, very strong one, you know, without this at launch, you know, launch lineup for the system looks not super good (laughs) without this game. You know, one thing that I was thinking was, you know, I think it would have been smart to, to probably try to move some teams around and maybe at the very least obviously with all the the, the challenges that's happening right now with COVID-19 at the very least try to get uh the multiplayer out at launch uh, especially because they've already committed it 
to be free to play, which means that um, it would exist on its own, you know, launcher. Like if you, you know, very similar to what Call of Duty has done with Call of Duty Warzone, you know, at that point, if you were to launch a system with, you know, Halo and, and, and multiplayer, I think that it would have been a lot easier for people to take this delay. But uh, according to uh, Phil Spencer from Xbox, it doesn't really feel like that's the, the path that they're taking. He said something along the lines of they considered splitting up the game, but that it didn't feel right. Now, I don't know if that meant splitting up the single player into different chapters or splitting the multiplayer from the single player. But I feel like if you're launching with the intention of multiplayer be free to play, it should be okay to do something like that. But it kind of doesn't sound like that's something that they're interested in. Or, or, or at the very least, a beta, you know, by the end of the year, I think would be great. Um, just because without Halo, you know, unfortunately, you know, that was really their first party presenta- uh, representation for the whole year. So for the whole year, there's really nothing coming from Microsoft as, you know, a a publisher or from one of their, you know, game studios, for example. Now, along with the delay, Microsoft did confirm something that we've kind of known and speculated for a while, which is that Xbox Series X will be releasing in November. They didn't give a specific date, but they did say for sure that uh, it is launching in the month of November. Tom Warren of The Verge posted a photo of the box containing the white Xbox controls that were accidentally sold last week. And it said, quote, do not sell or display before November 6th, 2020. So the speculation is maybe that will be the official date of the uh, Xbox Series X, which I believe is a Friday. It would fall on a Friday, so that sort of does make sense. Um I mean, look, it's, it, to, to me, I, I trust that uh, Tom Warren uh, verified th- this source. I mean, that's kind of weird to have a street-dated item arrive in stores months before um, with a, you know, a street-dated disclaimer for a few months from now. That kind of, that's super weird to me. You know, when, you, when you're talking about something that's street-dated, you're talking about asking retailers to hold product for at the most 30 days. For anything above 30 days, it just wouldn't make any sense for me to send that to a retailer because now I'm asking that retailer to hold inventory from something that they purchased, but they can't sell for like three months. So sort of weird. I'm not saying it's fake, but just just kind of weird at, at the same uh, at the same time. Um, so, so that leaves Microsoft with a launch lineup of, uh, possibly Dirt 5, which is not 100% confirmed. Fortnite is 100% confirmed. Uh, the Gears 5 Series X enhanced version is supposed to be launching with the system. You have the Ascent, which is a third-party exclusive, which actually does look kind of cool. Yakuza Like a Dragon has already been confirmed to launch. Um, and it sort of looks like it's going to be an Xbox console launch exclusive, but uh, Sega has kind of been a little bit coy about that. And then two maybes that launch would be called The Sea and The Medium. Maybe they might be ready. And then if the system were to come out November 6th, um, a little over a week or two later, you have Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which will work on the Xbox Series X on November 17th. And then November 19th, you have Cyberpunk 2077. 
And yes, even though it's kind of weird to talk about current gen games being playable on uh, a next generation system, uh, I sort of feel like it should still be counted just because, you know, there probably are going to be people that maybe didn't don't own an Xbox right now. There are going to be pickup Series X or are going to be uh, same thing maybe with PlayStation 5 that this might be their their first game. It is a brand new experience. Some of these games will be able to take advantage at the very least take advantage of the SSD and, you know, some simple scaling. Uh, but unless they have an update, you know, you won't see this huge leap. We do know that um, CD Projekt will have a next-gen update for Cyberpunk, but they did not put an exact date on it. Now, moving on, we're going to continue with Microsoft. We're going to talk about the Xbox xCloud beta. So Xbox's xCloud uh, application officially entered beta on Android, and Microsoft announced that it will officially launch on September 15th i actually thought that they would probably change the name of it but i guess the official name of this service will continue to be x cloud which i i kind of don't like that name personally i thought it was a good um what you call it a prototype you know name for it uh, a beta name for it um but for official launch i was actually a little surprised that they kept that name uh, Microsoft did confirm that just like Stadia, Apple will not be allowing xCloud on the App Store because it goes against their guidelines. Apple's reasoning was, quote, our customers enjoy great apps and games from millions of developers and gaming services can absolutely launch on the App Store as long as they follow the same set of guidelines applicable to all developers, including submitting games individually for review and appearing in charts and search. Uh, so first and foremost, that's a complete bullshit uh, explanation from Apple. Let's be completely honest. Um, you know, this is an example of of, of Apple stifling the competition. It's, it's 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 simple. I mean, it's 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 clear as day. That is exactly what this is for them to say that you know part of the guidelines is that developers should be submitting games individually for review. I mean, that's the same as require requiring. You know Netflix or Hulu to submit every single TV show or movie for review. It just it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's kind of a BS explainer as to why they don't want this. Uh, I guess what they consider competition, which is kind of one of those things that's very very short sighted from Apple to look at Google Stadia and look at you know uh, Nvidia's GE Force now to look at. Microsoft's uh, Xbox X Cloud as competition that's going to, to to somehow take away from you know their own mobile games in the App Store, uh, or maybe take away from Apple Arcade, for example. You know they're two completely. I mean, completely draw the line right down the middle. They're two completely different markets. They're two completely different types of gamers. You know, uh, gamers who play mobile games aren't all of a sudden going to start paying $15 a month to access uh, Game Pass and, and xCloud because that's not really their bread and butter. They're not going to all of a sudden leap into these huge games if they're used to playing these small, casual puzzle games, for example. You know, it's two completely different markets that you're talking about. And um, it's a shame that they look at it 
in this way. And it's a shame that they, you know, the Apple has decided to, you know, put out this kind of BS reasoning behind it to tell their, you know, consumers or potential customers that, oh, you know, this violates, uh, you know, the guidelines we have set. And, you know, they try to spin it in this way of, well, we do this for, you know, the protection of the consumer and it's just it's complete shit it's it's just it's just a bunch of bs that they're they're coming up with when the answer is very very obvious that they just don't want the competition on their hardware and that that kind of is going that that goes into the main story of today which is apple versus fortnite but also sort of apple versus the world in a sense and you know this was a story that broke out earlier in the week and then you know to have Fortnite do what they did in the middle uh, or towards the tail end of the week it kind of kept apple and their app store guidelines and the way they try to you know control competitors on their own platform that kind of really did take over the story throughout the entire week now microsoft responded to what apple had to say by saying quote our testing period for the Project xCloud preview app for iOS has expired. Unfortunately, we do not have a path to bring our vision of cloud gaming with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate to gamers on iOS via the Apple App Store. Apple stands alone as the only general purpose platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming and game subscription services like Xbox Game Pass. And it consistently treats gaming apps differently, applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps, even when they include interactive content. All games available in Xbox Game Pass catalog are rated for content by independent industry rating bodies such as the ESRB and regional equivalents. We are committed to finding a path to bring cloud gaming with Xbox Game Ultimate to the iOS platform. We believe that the customer should be at the heart of the gaming experience and gamers tell us they want to play, connect, and share anywhere, no matter where they are. We agree. And, um, you know, Microsoft even puts it in their own statement, just obviously... Uh, kind of pointing to the truth of the fact that these games are individually rated by the ESRB, um, you know, and this isn't kind of an instance of Apple saying, well, if you do this, then you'll be able to let in, you know, it's not like Apple is telling Microsoft like, Hey, you, you need parental controls or, or, or something like that. Um, you know, it, this is just something that Apple does, you know, they've, they've Facebook has had this issue with Apple, um, when it comes to, uh, when it came to getting their Facebook gaming app, I think it was that they were trying to get onto the platform. They were running into the same exact issues where they were being flagged for things in their app that kind of didn't really make any sense. And it just kind of, you know, felt like Apple was sending them on his wild goose chase just to keep, you know, preventing them for, for, from entering the app. And then Apple will, of course, a universal PR message is, uh, oh, we, we do this so that it's fair for everybody, but, you know, obviously it's it's not <laughs> fair for everybody because when it comes to the entertainment industry, you know, they're not doing the same things to Netflix. They're not doing the same things to Amazon, um, even though those are direct, direct competitors to their Apple, whatever their services, their Apple Plus, I think it's called, or Apple TV Plus, whatever streaming video film thing that they're doing um you know even with those uh companies they still don't they still not able to run as natively on the phone as 
they wish they were able to. Like weird things. Like I think Netflix, for example, um, you can't you can't um, join Netflix through the Netflix app. You have to go through a web browser to pay for Netflix. It's just you know all these weird things because of the way their payment systems work. Um, you know, this was something that when they announced that it was not coming to iOS. It was weird because I actually was surprised, but then I went, wait, what, why am I surprised? And I guess I was surprised because they beta tested the app on iOS. And I felt that to me, that meant that they had come into some sort of agreement with Apple and they will be able to do it. Whereas Google and Stadia, if I'm not mistaken, Stadia never even had a test version of streaming on, on the iOS. There is a Stadia app on apple and ios but you can just all you can do is browse and purchase games you actually can't stream anything on it so since they had the the test app for xcloud i thought that that meant that they would be able to to bring it to official release but obviously i was wrong you know this is something that to me doesn't affect me personally i do own an iphone i have no interest in, in switching over to android um but streaming full games on a cell phone my interest in that is absolute zero it's probably it might even be negative i just have absolutely no desire to ever play a game designed for my television on a screen that small i don't care how sharp that screen uh is advertised as being um i was able to try out this open beta a few days ago on someone's android that they uh, let me borrow i mean it works you know, I fired up the Halo Master Chief Collection. I played a little bit of um, through the first mission in Halo uh, using an Xbox controller that I connected through Bluetooth. You know, latency is good. It works. It's 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 definitely not a replacement in terms of feel. You can't can't replace using a console. Uh, and since it's in beta, startup time is a little bit you know, long for, for 2020, you know, sometimes it could take like 30 seconds just to get into the game. Um, but I'm sure stuff like that is going to get only faster. Once you're in the game, it was running pretty smoothly for me. I didn't really have any issues. I was playing it over Wi-Fi. I just wanted to see what it would work like. Um, but when it comes to these games that are streaming on these, um, mobile platforms, they're not, there's no technology that optimizes it for cell phones. So the tax is still really, really small. And it's just not the way that I want to play any of these video games. It's just not something I'm personally interested in. But I know that this is a market that's important to Microsoft because of so many other countries where console home console adoption is not as high as it is here in the United States, such as places like China, even Japan. Um, those are markets that I think that Microsoft is interested in. India is another major market that is another market that's going to be major for them um, in terms of playing games and streaming them on your cell phone. I think they're going to be even bigger over there um, or probably grow at a faster rate of adoption than they do here in the United States. So, you know, this is kind of one of those battles that to me, it's like a shoulder shrug. Like I, could care less if they ever get this xCloud app on on Apple um, because I just don't ever foresee myself ever using it. You know, there are only very, very small cases or very, um, there's a limited number of games that I would probably be okay with playing on 
my cell phone screen, it will probably be only in a pinch. Like if I'm in a doctor's office or I'm on a bus or something like that. Um, and these games are designed, you know, they're, they're not designed with mobile in mind. When we're talking about a mobile game, they're designed to just, you know, do a few missions, a few levels, and then kind of be able to get in and get out. You, know, you can't really do that with a lot of these games because they're not designed to be that way. And they never will be. I don't ever see a future where a game studio is going to be designing a game and say, hey, maybe we should shorten these levels because, you know, some people might be playing this on their cell phone like or on the go. It's just this is not ever going to happen. So it's just not something that I'm personally invested in, but it's something that Apple needs to kind of get it together when it gets to this because it does seem like something where the gaming industry as a whole is being targeted by apple in terms of not being allowed on their uh their ecosystem it's just it's it it kind of does smell it, ha- it does have that stench of antitrust of antitrust when it comes down to it and that leads into our main story of the week which is fortnite versus apple last week epic decided to lower the cost of v bucks which is their um their in-game currency for fortnite by 20 percent across the board so every single platform had v bucks lowered by 20 percent epic claims that it is a permanent uh, price adjustment it's not a limited time sale from now until the foreseeable future Fortnite v bucks are just 20 percent cheaper um but in order for mobile players on android and ios to get the discount they had to use epic's direct payment system that they added to the game now epic was very very blatant about this you know and they when they when they pushed through their update and gamers went into the store you know, they they put two prices up. They said, you know, the Apple price, I think it was like $9.99, and then the Epic price, which was, you know, $7.99 or $6.99. So they put these two up just to make it very, very clear that, hey, you know, you can pay more if you want. It's right there. So, you know, the moment this news dropped and um, I saw an image of what the store looked like and I saw epic's official messaging of uh putting their own direct payment system uh the first thing i said was well well obviously this is going to be <laughs> removed from the app so there's no way that apple is going to allow them to start um taking payments on their own now for those that don't know for most developers and most apps on the app store when you buy something on the app store not how you usually um, um on ios usually click on something to purchase and then apple makes you kind of um double tap on your 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 power key um scan your face in order to kind of put that payment through when you do that you're you're using apple's payment processing system you're not using you're not directly sending your payment to epic and and to fortnite it goes through apple Apple takes 30% of that and then they send the other 70% over to Fortnite and Epic Games. And this is a cut that developers, um, whether it's been game developers or just app developers on, on the Apple App Store, have been against for quite some time. You know, 30% is a really, really big chunk. When you start to do the math on how much it actually costs Apple to, you know, 
just store the game and 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 house it on their servers and 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 things like that arbitrary costs you know that overhead um the profit that they make on that 30 percent you know they can they can cover the cost it takes for them to keep that game on their app store and then they keep a really big chunk of that profit and we're talking about a small developer you know 30 percent can be a really really big chunk you know we're talking about three dollars of every ten dollars that you get as a uh as a developer and that that adds up if we're talking about small purchases dollar two dollars for for example things like that so for epic to um, put in a system to completely ignore uh, that 30 percent apple tax it was very obvious that it would be removed and it took i think less than an hour for apple to finally remove the game and announce that it was removed because it violated app store policies now fortnite has been downloaded more than 133 million times on ios according to sensor tower ios players have spent 1.2 billion dollars since it launched and in the last 30 days alone app store players have spent 43.4 million dollars on fortnite which is way more than spending on google play which is actually only 3.3 million in 30 days so we're talking about 3 million compared to 43 million on the app store so <clears throat> removing it from the app store is a really really big deal but it was very obvious that epic had planned everything that was that was happening so they tweeted out that they were releasing a new fortnite short called 1980 fortnite very shortly after apple removed it from the store and you know the moment i saw the image for this um this in-game you know short i instantly said well obviously apple just fell into a trap it was it was very it was instantly obvious what epic had done it was obvious that they did what they did on purpose knowing that apple was going to remove it you know, it, it, it was, it was I, I just kept thinking of Yu-Gi-Oh and, you know, you, you activated my trap card because that was exactly what had happened. Now, what was, what was funny about seeing that 1980 Fortnite tweet was that, you know, I knew exactly what it was because I, I, I've seen the, 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 the old 19, the famous 1984 Apple commercial uh, which they created to speak out against IBM because they they felt that IBM was trying to take complete control over um, you know the the business of computers, for example. And um, it was just funny to see because of how young Fortnite's audience was, all the replies to that tweet were, you know, uh, oh, this is me. We're gonna get 1980s themed skins and you know all this stuff and i just i just found it so funny um because it shows how young their audience is um and they 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 debuted this video and they ended it with a hashtag called free fortnite um and then they announced that they had opened up a lawsuit against apple um, for what they were trying uh, to do. So Epic Games is basically trying to prove that Apple is using their market power to restrict competition by not allowing any other app stores to exist on iOS. So I, I, what I think is happening is they're, they're trying to bring up a couple of key issues, what, what Apple is doing, <clears throat> and they're trying to uh, prove that they are violating ant- antitrust laws here in the United States. 
uh, because of their business practices and basically trying to uh, 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 prove that what Apple is doing is they they basically created a a monopoly and because of these taxes that they run uh, at the rate at which they run it, they're using it to kind of stifle competition. And um, they bring up uh, two main points. Number one is the fact that um, there is no other way to load software onto iOS outside of going through the App Store. Now, for uh, Google's uh, infrastructure for Android, you can go directly into a developer's website and download an application. You know, Google does give you... a warning kind of warning hey this might be malware this might have viruses and things like that um but you can kind of uh sidestep google's play store by loading stuff directly um samsung actually has their own app store um, that is available on android but as opposed to that apple has the app store and that's it there is no other way of getting apps and you know um Epic believes that this is anti-competitive um, because, for example, they're not able to have an Epic Game Store on uh, iOS. You know, Valve is not able to bring Steam onto iOS and have their own curated, you know, game experience or App Store experience as opposed to Apple. Now, Apple's defense of of this is that it'll stop viruses and stop malware and stuff like that. But I mean. Look at look. I mean, look look at the App Store right now. It's not like they're doing an amazing job of stopping shovelware. If I go to my app, if I go to uh, my phone right now and I search Grand Theft Auto Five, I'll probably find somehow Grand Theft Auto Five on <laughs> on Apple's App Store for some reason, right? It's not like they're doing the best job of stopping stuff, right? Um, so once you uh, add something into uh, uh, Apple Apple automatically takes 30% of every sale you make, whether it's the $9.99 cost for the application of the game itself or any microtransactions in there, any subscriptions, $5 a month, uh, they take 30%, you know, all of that. So that's like the first tax. The first tax is 30% of every purchase. Then Apple takes another 30% when the payment is processed. So you can see how these costs would add up. And this is kind of what uh, Epic is trying to prove. They're trying to prove that Apple, with their billions of phones around the world, have created a legitimate platform. And in creating this legitimate platform, these practices that they run through the App Store are are stifling competition and they prevent uh, other companies from being able to compete with Apple. This is nothing new. Spotify... um, I I'm not, I think they opened an official lawsuit a few years ago. I can't 100% remember. I know that there was like an email app. There was another messaging app within this year that had brought up lawsuits against uh, Apple because they felt that that um, you know uh, if they were creating an application that was in direct competition with something that Apple had already created. Um, then they were being stifled. I think there was a there's a company in UK I think right now that has a a, a lawsuit open about an ebook app. I think that they that Apple feels is a books competitor, so they're not afforded the same 
uh, access to different things as Apple uh, has. <clears throat> now, I think it's very easy to look at this move as, you know, Epic just trying to to get more money. Now, Epic and Tim Sweeney are trying to say that this isn't really uh, a battle that they're winning or fighting just for Epic. That um, they, you know, in the lawsuit itself, uh, they made it clear that they are not seeking, a, a, you know, uh, uh, any money. They're just seeking uh, changes uh, to the way that the App Store operates. Now, I I do 100% believe that Epic and Tim Sweeney are going into this with really good intentions. Now, with that being said, there's no way that Epic is saying to themselves like, hey, you know, if... if the government forces Apple to change their policies, it's not going to be great for us. Of course, it's going to be great for Epic. If these changes are put through uh, and Apple is forced to allow competitors to open their own application stores, for example, then of course, Epic is going to look towards uh, adding the Epic game stores to iOS, for example, and um, you know, paying for exclusivity in terms of mobile games. Of course, they're going to want to do that. But at the end of the day, if they're also able to lower that Apple tax from 30% down to, to, to something more reasonable, 10%, 5 6 7 8%, it's something that can have a huge impact on the rest of the industry, especially the games industry, because there are a lot of mobile developers, especially indies, where that tax can completely ruin any of the, the profit that you make because it's going to take you so much longer to make up for the costs um they had to put forth in the development for that game now um epic has been doing a lot in terms of positive change for the industry we're talking about the 12 percent tax on epic games as opposed to uh 2030 i think it is for steam you know uh unreal engine announcing that uh on the first million dollars of revenue you won't have to pay royalties uh for indies which is great um $100 million in grants uh, for the Unreal Engine opening up. Uh, I think it was like the, the 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 multiplayer matchmaking system from Fortnite for free. So they do a lot for smaller developers that any other company would have said, yeah, you're going to have to pay us for this. You know, So I do think that Tim Sweeney is doing this with the best of intentions, but he understands what's that old saying, like a rising tide lifts all boats or something like that i think that's really the way that they look at it like yes epic is very aware that this would benefit us but it also benefits everybody and it's if that wasn't obvious then yes in that injunction in that lawsuit they would have wanted some sort of you know um money and to, to cover all of the losses that they've seen and any of the damage that apple has done with everything that they've that they've uh said you know representative david sicilin i think that's how you said a democratic chairman of the antitrust subcommitted uh said publicly quote apple's taxes highway robbery these high fees would not exist in a competitive marketplace it's also outrageous that a company worth nearly two trillion dollars with record-breaking profits is holding smaller companies hostage during an economic crisis all just because it can, this is a real problem. It doesn't just undermine innovation. It threatens the jobs and economic livelihood of the people who work at this company. And, um, you know, <clears throat> inside of their injunctive uh, release, excuse me, relief, 
which is kind of akin to what their lawsuit kind of is. Um, you know, they, they did talk about Apple's uh, 30% tax and how oppressive it can be. Um, and then shortly after, Google also uh, removed Fortnite from uh, the Play Store. Uh, Epic did not have a special video <laughs> prepared for them. Um, but I thought what was interesting about it was that Epic claimed, uh, because they also uh, did a similar lawsuit towards Google, they claimed that Google forced the company OnePlus to renege on a deal that Epic and OnePlus, OnePlus were trying to reach, where basically every OnePlus phone that would sold that would that would have been sold would have had a Fortnite launcher preloaded on uh, the phone. So the moment that you turn on a phone, there will be a Fortnite icon. You click on that. It would allow you to bypass the Play Store and and load Fortnite. And apparently Epic also was talking about a similar deal with LG. And apparently Google forced both of those companies to not go forth on those deals. Um, which is probably why uh, Epic decided to add Fortnite to the Play Store. For those that don't remember, when Fortnite released on Android, you had to go through a Fortnite website and a Fortnite to install a Fortnite launcher in order to get access to the game. And that lasted 18 months. 18 months later, Epic finally gave in and they added the game to the Play Store um, because they felt that, you know, everything was working against them. You know, you couldn't advertise on the Play Store, for example. Uh, every time you tried to load the game, every time you tried to update it, Google would warn users, hey, you know, th these might have viruses. There might This might be malware. Do you trust this developer? And that would obviously cause a lot of people to go, oh, wait, no, no, no. I don't want anything to do with this, even though it was safe. Um, and then to hear that, they told these phone manufacturers, no, you can't go through with this deal. That's that's you know, that's pretty big. Um look, this is a huge fight. This is a fight that um, will not be won by Epic. Let's let's be very, very clear. If anything changes for, by Apple, it will not be because of what Epic did last week. Um the biggest change coming for Apple is what's happening in Europe. There's an antitrust lawsuit um, happening right now in, in Europe where they are going through all of the same things that Epic is bringing up right now. If anything were to change here to the App Store in the United States, it would be a result of what happens in Europe because Europe is way more strict when it comes to stuff like this than the United States is. It's very unfortunate, unfortunately, um, because of the capitalistic country that we live in. There's a lot of backdoor deals that are struck in order to prevent anything like this from ever being um, kind of investigated. But I think what Epic is trying to do, uh, you know, uh, Google publicly uh, joined Epic in 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 what they were doing spotify publicly joined epic last week and what they were doing microsoft obviously supports it because of what they've had to go through with xcloud and i think what epic is trying to do is just bring is, is kind of throw more fuel to the fire to try to force the united states to do what europe is doing to to do their due diligence and dig deeper into what apple is doing look there's no doubt about it that apple is driving this car down 
a very, very bad road. And I don't think I want to use the word of a of a monopoly because then that means that Android doesn't exist, for example. So I don't know if I would use the term monopoly, but anti-competitive 100%. Uh, I would definitely use that. It's the same thing as if, if you logged onto your PC right now and Microsoft forced you to use their web browser. They forced you to use you know, their store to uh, install things. You had to use a Microsoft store. You couldn't use Steam, for example. You know, it really is the same thing. You know, uh, our cell phones and, and Apple specifically have grown into uh, to, into a platform, you know. So um, it, it is very anti-competitive. I think that is something that's a fact. Now, for me, the I, I support what Epic is doing. I 100% will fight on that hill that Epic is doing this for the right reasons. I think that they are fighting this fight with smaller developers, with the gaming industry as a whole in mind while they're doing it. And I don't see a problem with fighting a fight where you know, hey, you know, it'll benefit me, but it will also benefit millions and millions of employees and men and women around the world if we're able to force to change. And it is a billion-dollar company fighting a trillion-dollar company. You know, people were talking about this is Goliath versus Goliath. It really isn't. You know, like, uh, you know, Epic is worth $17 billion compared to $2 trillion uh, from Apple. It's a pebble being thrown at a giant right now. <clears throat> now, the one thing I did not like about all of this is I think that Epic could have gotten everything done. They could have gotten their message across without weaponizing their fan base now i do 100 percent believe that they're weaponizing their fan base tim sweeney tim sweeney says that they're not i 100 percent disagree for them to have all of this prepared to have a an entire campaign prepared a hashtag free Fortnite, um to create that 1980 Fortnite video i thought was in was in really stupid poor taste I think referencing referencing that video and kind of the hypocrisy of Apple that was once the the David versus the IBM Goliath, I think that would have been enough to 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 do like a Fortnite parody of it with like the rotten Apple on the screen kind of being the oppressor. I thought that was lame. I thought creating the 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 the, the hashtag and kind of trying to like i said the best word for weaponize your fan base which is composed of people that had no idea what that commercial even was because they're so young um to try to get them to pester the app store app store's twitter account um using the hashtag you're absolutely weaponizing your fan base i thought that was gross i thought that was egregious i think they could have gotten their point across without doing that you know in the blog post for this fortnite says quote because apple has blocked and in all capital letters blocked your ability to update when fortnite chapter 2 season 4 releases you will not in caps be able to play the new season on iOS. Make your voice heard with hashtag free Fortnite. Like that's come on. Like you're absolutely you're absolutely playing on the emotions of your players by doing that. You're placing all the blame on Apple by saying, hey, you know what? Apple did this. They blocked your ability. When you knew what you were doing, you knew by creating your own payment system that you were you were going against the guidelines. You know that it was going to be uh, um, you know removed from the App Store. This was your own doing. And for you to say like, oh, you know, that's this is Apple's fault. Like, nah, bullshit. This this is your fault. You wanted this to happen. Um, 
is very obvious. And then the other thing that Fortnite did last week is they announced some new DLC with with the Joker that comes out in November, I think was the date that was given. Like, why else would they announce something months ahead of time if they didn't want those iOS players to go, oh my God, if this if this keeps going, I won't be able to play as a Joker, for example. So, you know, I see small things that they're doing. When I look at it, I'm like, okay, that, you know, it is obviously a theory that I'm throwing out there that that these two things are connected. But I mean, come on, November, like why else would you announce something uh, that's months away? So, you know, it's it's one of these things where I don't agree with Tim Sweeney when he says, oh, we're not weaponizing our fan base. You, you absolutely are um, by doing this, by kind of instilling fear and, and telling them like, oh, you know, this new season's coming out. You won't be able to play on mobile. Um, it reminds me of what... Um, uh broadcasters do like these different channels like let's say you know here in new york there's the yes channel the yankee channel if you know they can't come into an agreement with you know comcast cable or or, or spectrum for example they're running ads 24 7 telling people spectrum wants to take the yankees away from you don't let them take away your yankees uh, send an email or call this phone number and tell them don't take the Yankees away da, da, da. like you're obviously weaponizing your fan base in order to force a company to change their policies or or, or, or change the details of a deal that you're trying to strike or become more lenient that's obvious what Epic Games is doing and and I, I don't like it I just I just think it's wrong I don't think it's something you should do especially because of how young your fan base is it's obvious that you guys knew what they were what they were doing what what tim swinney tweeted was quote but the armament being offered is simply an idea that the maker of, that the maker of a smart smartphone does not have the right to dictate the terms of our lives and our businesses the tech monopolies would love nothing more than a battle of might because they can muster a far larger fighting force they do not fear our weapons they do fear our ideas like come on man like even that statement <laughs> is like you're mobilizing your fan base it's very obvious what you're doing like the, don't you know, if there's one thing I don't like in the world is people that want to speak and think that you're stupid. Like, we're not stupid. Like, uh, people that follow this industry are not idiots. It's very obvious what you guys are trying to do. I don't agree with it. I think you could have done everything that you were doing without that video and without that hashtag and, you know, trying to get people. I think there was uh i don't know if it was on fortnite's twitter on the blog post where they were specifically telling people to kind of go to apple's app store twitter account and start kind of spamming at them like it's obvious what you're doing um i think the biggest thing about this is a few things number one this um lawsuit or this uh complaint for injunctive relief this could last years you know this isn't something that like a month from now you know this is gonna be like in court you know this is something that can take years and years um we're talking about um epic trying to prove antitrust like this is huge this could take a very very long time so i i personally think that epic went about it the wrong way because this is going to hurt you know not having fortnite on the app store you know all of your current um, uh, users not being able to play the next season, um, eventually the anger is going to turn back on Epic. I do think that's that's what's going to happen. I do think that eventually 
all those Fortnite users, maybe right now they're like, oh, this, this is Apple. Eventually they're going to go, no, Epic, this is you. <laughs> do whatever you need to do to get this game back. Because if this is a, a, a game of chicken, there's no way Apple's going to move first. For Apple, it's like, yeah, you know, that's lost revenue for us. But let's talk about a $2 trillion company. You think they're going to concede to you? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. They don't care. They're, they're, just, they're just not going to move. And then the problem is that now if Epic moves first, then they kind of lose all this credibility that they're, they're trying to build up of like, you know, trying to be the, we're here to fight for you guys, blah, blah, blah. Then that means that you're prepared to lose money. Um, you know, what, what was the number? Let me scroll back in my notes. That means that you're prepared to lose $43 million on average, $43 million a month uh, in order to fight this fight. I, I just don't see Epic kind of doing that. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because, like I said, it, it's not like Apple's always going to say, you know what, we're going to give you 10%. They're not going to change the deal. They're just not going to do that. So I just don't understand what Epic was going for by trying to do this. Um, maybe it was it, Maybe it was just them. They just wanted to prove, like, look at how fast Apple removed this from their app store. That's very anti-competitive. And maybe their plan is to, to add it back, um, at, excuse me, to remove the payment system so it can be added back at some point. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their, their long play is, but it's obvious that they've been planning this for months, so they must have some sort of plan in place. Um, but like I said, I think once that new season releases, I think you're going to have gamers being angry at Epic. I think all that energy is going to go back uh, towards Epic. You know, um, just to end this conversation, a couple of people brought up what Epic did and they compared it to what Epic did, uh, I think it was last year, where they're quote unquote accidentally uh, hit a switch that allowed Xbox and PlayStation players to play Fortnite together. And Epic was basically like, oops. And <laughs> when people were like, wait, why can't we keep this? Then Epic said, well, you have to ask Sony, you know? And then a lot of people felt that that forced Sony's hand uh, because so many people now realize that this is Sony's fault that we're not able to do crossplay. The issue with comparing to what's happening right now with Apple to what happened with PlayStation is that that change benefited players, right? Telling uh, um, Sony you have to change your policy on cross-progression uh, and cross-play because it, it, it benefits me. Now I'll be able to play with my friends, right? When it comes to this fight, it doesn't benefit consumers. You know, like, yes, you can tell consumers, like, yes, we're lowering the price of V-Bucks. You'll be able to access V-Bucks cheaper. But I don't think that's enough to have a lot of these Fortnite gamers, especially on the younger end, fight for Epic or fight on Epic's behalf. And that's why I kind of feel that what will happen is that when this new season happens and you have these gamers that exclusively play this game on mobile, they're going to turn on Epic. And I think they're going to be the ones telling Epic, like, I don't care 
It, it's obvious that this is probably going to last years and a very, very long time. You guys need to do what you need to do to put this back on the App Store and find another way to fight this company. And I kind of do think that's what's going to happen. So I, I, I kind of feel like I question like how far ahead did Epic plan all of this and how far ahead are they thinking when it comes to this? Because I do think that this is a fight worth fighting. But Epic can't do it alone. And if anything changes, it's not going to be because of Fortnite, unfortunately. It's going to be because a bunch of other companies are going to join together in order to fight Apple and bring the U.S. government on board in order to uh, investigate the same way that Europe is doing right now. Hot releases for the week tomorrow, August 18th. We have Microsoft Flight Simulator for a PC. Mortal Shell comes to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Also tomorrow, this is not a release, but Nintendo is going to be having an Indie World Showcase at 12 p.m. Eastern. August, excuse me, August 20th, we have Gleam Light for PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Battletoads finally coming to PC and Xbox One, Game Pass. Peaky Blinders Mastermind, PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. August 21st, we have Harvest Moon Mad Dash for Xbox One. New Super Lucky's Tale, PS4, Xbox One. PGA Tour 2K21, PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. And finally, Samurai Jack Battle Through Time, also PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Now it's time to wrap it up. These are the stories that we just didn't have time to get to. Former Assassin's Creed Valhalla creative de- director Ashraf Ismail, who stepped down from that role in June after being publicly accused of pursuing extramarital relationships with women under false pretenses, has now been terminated, according to an internal announcement by Ubisoft. When I spoke about this uh, not too long ago on the show, I predicted this guy was going to get fired. It just makes the utmost sense for Ubisoft. He obviously became an ex- a, a distraction. Um, and uh, it's obvious that he used his position at Ubisoft in order to facilitate a lot of these communications that he was having. Um, so it just made the utmost sense for Ubisoft to let this man go, especially since he would be nothing but a distraction for their biggest game of the year. Publisher 505 Games announced a $40 Ultimate Edition of Control coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X, which includes all released DLC. Only problem is that people who buy that, only the people who buy this particular version of the game will be able to upgrade for free to the next-gen optimized version whenever it's eventually available. Uh, 100% agree with pretty much unanimously everyone that said this was a very, very greedy move by the publisher. Unfortunately, a lot of people are blaming Remedy, uh, but this is not Remedy's call. It's a publisher's call, a 505 Games decision to do this. It just doesn't make any sense, especially because they just released the brand new expansion. That's this Alan Wake expansion, for example. So what you're saying is that people that own these expansions will not be able to play the new version when it comes out. Just doesn't make any sense. Personally, I sort of still believe that 505 Games will reverse this decision because I think it's just better PR for them to come out as the hero and kind of saying like, oh, we listen to you guys. You know, it's just classic PR BS play. Um, But they haven't moved yet. I'm kind of surprised by it. Look, Control is a game that had technical issues at launch that I remember. It's not a game that I particularly loved. Um, So to deny people from being able to play it on the next generation 
and then maybe being able to utilize that and create a third expansion, you know, and and bring all those people onto the next generation kind of just doesn't make any sense. I think it's a bad call from them. Uh, today, Sony announced a free co-op expansion from Ghost of Tsushima called Legends. It supports two to four, through four players playing brand new co-op missions, four-player wave-based survival missions, and even four-player raids. Definitely 100% surprised about this. Definitely did not see this coming. It's very obvious that this was something that was probably in development to maybe be ready uh by launch or maybe shortly after launch and it was obviously delayed so it's great to see that they 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 put it in for free because if they charged for this it would have been painfully obvious that this was something that was not it was obviously not in development after the development of the game finished um so it's good that they, they did this for free it actually adds what i thought that the single player game was missing which was a lot more kind of fantastical kind of over the top supernatural kind of stuff so it's cool that they add this uh will i be playing it uh honestly probably not um i already sold the game i, I don't i don't think i have much interest in it but it looks cool i think it's great value for the people that that have the game and i, I i'm a little surprised that they still haven't confirmed that and have begun pushing that this game will work on playstation 5 because this is kind of a good push for that game for anyone getting playstation 5 um to buy this game or maybe you know release it where it has that co-op already on the disc and kind of hit it again when a playstation 5 hits shelves uh, and that's it for our show. Quick shout out to Laszlo Jones, producer, writer, voice actor, and radio host has been at Rockstar for almost 20 years. According to Laszlo's LinkedIn page, he actually left back in April, about a month after Dan Hauser left the company. Now, this is very, very interesting because it proves the theory that I had when Dan Hauser left, which is something must be happening behind the scenes at Rockstar that a lot of us are not aware of. Or I guess we kind of are aware of where you probably have these two men who are responsible for pretty much everything Rockstar has done within the last two decades and are probably maybe looking towards more single player and narrative driven stories and we see what rockstar unfortunately turned grand theft auto into which is basically online same thing happened to red dead 2 no single player content is all multiplayer crap i i hate it i don't like it so it sort of feels like maybe that's the reason why both of these men decided to leave the company what's interesting is that laszlo puts on his linkedin that he's developing shows for both netflix and disney and, and is doing consulting work for an undisclosed video game company he just says consulting work for a video game company i find that very very interesting that he did not name or he's not allowed to name what that video game company is it makes me feel like him and dan hauser are working on something together which i don't care what it is it could be a cell phone game i'm there day one um so best of luck to laszlo jones and that's it for our show this week thank you so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and instagram at camp for future updates once again i'm joel and i will see you next week <laughs>